All right, well, hey, good morning. Welcome to, uh, to you guys here at the Museum District Campus. And hey, welcome to those of you that are joining us online. And just a special welcome to my family over there at the Timber Grove Campus. I'm with you guys. I love you guys. Um, if we haven't met yet, if this is your first time here at, at either campus, my name's Kale. I'm the campus pastor at our Timber Grove Campus. So out at 8200 Washington Avenue, it's been a joy to be the pastor over there. Um, we're about 17 months old. So it's been a joy, but it's, it's fun to be with you guys here today. So today's a special day. We are celebrating today Father's Day. So happy Father's Day to all the dads that are out there. Hey, dads, stepdads, granddads, father figures, I hope you are honored, celebrated today. It's a, it's a joy being a, being a dad myself. We get to, we get to provide this, this love of our Heavenly Father to our wives and our kids. It's a it's a significant responsibility, and it's a joyful one. So I just want to honor, celebrate the dads out there. I hope you get everything that you want today. And, uh, and so today, what we're going to do, we're going to continue this series that we're in. It's a seven-week series. It's this summer series that we're in. It's called The Seven Deadly Sins. And the subtitle for that, it's Slamming the Doors to Darkness. So slamming the doors to darkness. If you were here at the Museum District, or for those of you online, you got to hear a message from Terry Williams. So incredible message from Terry. He's one of my, my friends. You got to hear about the weeds and the seed. You got to hear about the insidious nature of, of greed. And so I shared a similar message out at our Timber Grove campus about just the insidious nature that, that greed can just get a hold of us. It's a selfish, excessive desire for more. So it was, it was great to launch this series with, with greed. It's the most insidious one on the list. But, but the sin that we're gonna talk about today, I think it's, it's the sin that's hardest to define on the list. It's the hardest one to, to put your finger on. And that is the sin of sloth. It's the sin of sloth. Does anyone, does anyone know what the sin of sloth is? All right, good. That's what we're going to talk about today. Okay, so, so I I'm just, I'm just want to do two things today. Two questions that I'm going to pose, and it's what is sloth, and it's how do we fight it? All right, so what is sloth, and then how do we fight it? So sloth, the, the definition of sloth, this is Merriam-Webster's, the definition. It's a reluctance to make an effort or complacency. It's spiritual apathy or inactivity. And, and I think the biggest misconception that we have when it comes to sloth is that we equate sloth to laziness. Like, like we think sloth is laziness. And so here's the deal. Here at, at, at the story, us interloop Houstonians, those at the Timbergrove campus, us here, those online, like we're a lot of things. Lazy? Not one of them. Our, our schedules are so full. Like our lives are so demanding that we run from like activity to activity, from meeting to meeting, that we just dismiss any notion of sloth in our lives. We, we, we hide some spiritual sloth in our lives because we're addicted to this busyness, to this activity, and we can simultaneously be the busiest people on earth. We can jump from activity to activity. We can go from, from thing to thing while being spiritually asleep. It can mask it. Like busyness and, and activity can mask that maybe we've been We've been asleep in our faith. And, and the dangerous part about this is that from the outside looking in, it, it might look like you have it all together. Like you can, 
You can be going through life, going through the motions of your faith and, and be asleep at the wheel and not even know it for weeks, for years, or for decades. It can, it can put us to sleep. There's a, there's a proverb. That's Proverbs 19, 15. It says that slothfulness casts into a deep sleep. When, when we're spiritually slothful, it's like we're sleepwalking through life and through our faith. And, and I've, I've slept walk before. Like I've, I've been complacent. I've been comfortable in my Christianity before. But I've also, I've slept walk in my, in my life before because I have had children. So uh, four years ago, four years ago this Sunday, we, uh, I celebrated my first Father's Day. My wife, she was five months pregnant. And we came to church that Sunday. And I remember we, we were talking to people who had just had kids. Or we were talking to people that, that had some older children as well. And you know when, like, the, your first kid, you're just, you're just really excited. You ask everyone for advice. Like, hey, what's, what's it like? Like, what should we be prepared for? What should we be equipped for? And the conversations that we had with some people, they were like, hey, you're going to be fine. But the sleep thing is real. Like, be, get your sleep now. Be prepared for your sleep because you're not going to get any sleep when your baby comes. And, true, and, and surely enough, first of all, that, that it just went one ear and out the other for my wife and I. Like, we were like, okay, we've watched our nieces and nephews before for like two hours. Like, we'll be, we'll be fine. I pulled some all-nighters in college. We'll be fine. And, then, <laughs> and that first night in the hospital, my daughter was born at 11.45 p.m. And we like didn't sleep for months. We were, we, were, we were sleepwalking through life, right? Like, we didn't know if it was day or night. We didn't, we didn't, we were just going from feeding to feeding. Like, we were just going through the motions. We were, like, numb. My wife, she couldn't even form sentences. She, she, couldn't, she couldn't even talk. I found my wife's keys in the freezers, like, 20 times. It was, I, one morning, I went to make my coffee, and I pulled out some milk and put it in my coffee, and it wasn't almond milk. It was breast milk. <laughs> it was like we were just sleepwalking through life. But here's the thing is that, that our family and our friends, it was like they knew what we were going through. They knew it. It was easy to see. Like it was pretty, pretty dramatic the way that we looked. Our friends would come over and deliver some meals. And like we looked like we hadn't slept and hadn't showered in weeks because we hadn't. Like my in-laws would come over. They'd do dishes. They'd do the laundry because we would just forget things. Like we were, just, we were just going through the motions. But everyone on the outside knew what we were going through. It was pretty obvious. And I think the dangerous part about being spiritually slothful or being spiritually asleep is that from the outside looking in, it can, it can look like we have it all together. Like it, can, it can look like that we have our, our faith figured out, that we have a thriving relationship with Jesus. Like it can, look, it can look like we're going to church. We're posting some Bible verses on our social media. Like we're, we're texting the prayer emojis to our friend, it, 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 can, it can look like we have it all together. And that's why it is so dangerous. That's why it's so deadly. Because we can be just busy, full of activity, going through the motions, and we can just be spiritually asleep. That's why it's, it's, it's such an important, important thing to address here today. So, And it's not just busyness. Like, it's not just going through the motions. It's not just... It's not just our addiction to activity that can either mask or produce sloth. There's another thing that I think is just as 
severe and sinister that produces sloth in our life, and that's fear. It's fear. It's being scared or being afraid. And Jesus, he tells a, a parable about this. And it's towards the end of his ministry. It's in Matthew chapter 25. And he tells the parable of the talents of gold. And so Jesus tells the story and he says that there was a master and he had three servants. And the first servant came to the master and the master gave him five talents of gold or five bags of gold. And then the second servant came to him and, and the master gave him two bags or two talents of gold. And then the final servant came, the third servant came and, and the master gave him one talent or one bag of gold. And then so the story says, or Jesus says, that the master went off and went away for a long time and then came back to settle the accounts with the servants. And so that first servant, he came back and he said, hey, master, here is the five bags, the talents of gold that you have given me. Hey, here's five more. Everything is yours. Here, take, master. And the master says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You might have heard that before. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Hey, come join and share and the master's joy. Come and share. And then the second servant, he comes and he brings his two talents of gold, two bags of gold. And he says, hey, master, here's my two that you've given me. And hey, here's two more. Here, everything is yours. And the master says the exact same thing to the second servant. Hey, well done, my good and faithful servant. Hey, come share in the master's joy and the master's happiness. And then we see the third servant. He comes to the master and that's where we're gonna pick it up in the story. And so this is Matthew chapter 25, we're gonna be in verses 24 through 30. Then he also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed, so I was afraid. Do you see it? I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Did you see what happened with that slothful servant? He was afraid. He was scared and he hid his talent in the ground and it had no effect on his life. He, he hid the gift from God in the ground because he was scared it would interrupt, it would disrupt his comfortable, complacent life. It, it might interrupt his career. It might interrupt or, or disrupt his family. It might interrupt his, his social network or his, his friends. He just hid his talent and his purpose in the sand and he just went on living his life. He didn't steal it. Maybe he went and checked on it a couple times, but he just hid it. And he said, why bother with this? Maybe he said, look, I'm, I'm not prepared to do anything with this. Like, I'm not equipped enough to do anything with this. Like, why bother with this? 
And how many times do we say the same things? Like, like how many times do we just say, hey, why bother? Or how many times do we say, hey, I'm not equipped enough? I'm not prepared enough. I'm not good enough. Like, I'm just going to hide my gift, my talent in the ground, and I'm just going to continue living my life. How many times do we do that? And look, I've, I've heard it all. I've heard it all. And, and it's all a, a lie from the enemy. Like, the enemy just whispers, hey, why bother? Like, why bother praying? Why bother praying? God's not going to listen to you. God only listens to those good Christians. God only listens to those good, those eloquent prayers. God's not going to listen to you. He knows what you've done. He knows the sins that you've committed. He's not going to listen to your prayer. Just bury that prayer in the ground. It's a lie. Well, why bother reading your Bible? The book is way too intimidating. Like you're not going to understand anything that, that this book says. You're going to give up on that reading plan anyhow. Or even if you're familiar with the Bible. Like, you already know these stories. You're familiar enough with it. Like, why open this book? Why let this book have authority in your life? Just bury it in the sand. Or why bother with, with discipling our kids? And look, I've heard this one before. Why bother intentionally discipling our kids? Like, it's a, it's a crapshoot anyway. Our kids are going to turn out how they're going to turn out. I bring them to church sometimes. Like, I put them in private school. I've done my part. It's somebody else's job. <laughs> Why bother intentionally discipling our kids? And it's a lie. Or Why bother with forgiveness? That person, they wronged me. They should come to me, apologize. Like, I shouldn't go out and forgive them. They're not gonna change and just bury that forgiveness in the sand. Or I hear this one all the time too. Like, why bother working on my marriage? Why bother? My marriage, Pastor Kale, you don't understand. My marriage, it is broken. It's irredeemable. Like my husband's never gonna change. My wife's never gonna change. Just We're just gonna bury our heads in our work and in our kids. And it's a lie. It's just a lie. Like we were not created to sit on the sidelines. We weren't created to to just sit and be still and watch everyone else play. Like we were created with a purpose to get in the fight. Not to be asleep. Not to just give the people that are in the game their orange slices. Like we were, we were meant to get in the game, to fight, to step out and to live out our faith. That's what we were created for. And we can, we can do, like we can, by the power of the spirit of God, we can get in the game and fight for our marriage, for our kids, in prayer, like step out in our faith. We can, we can do that. So how do we fight? How do we fight? How do we fight sloth or spiritual sloth in our lives? It's a good question. And so historically speaking, the, the church has lifted up this, this sloth killer. And historically, from, from the the first couple centuries in the church, they, they've said that diligent work is how to kill sloth in your life. That diligent work, and that makes sense, like smart, strategic, hard work, that's, that's enough to kill sloth, but is it? Is it? 
That might be enough to avoid it, but I'm not sure that's enough to fight it. Because diligent work, it can quickly become just busyness. It can quickly become just going through the motions. Like busy, diligent work can quickly become busy work. And I think that that diligent work, it has to be rooted in something. It needs to be rooted in something. And, and I think that the, that the real sloth killer, it's diligent work that's rooted in purpose. So, so I'm, I would say that that sloth's antidote, it's purpose. Those, those first two servants, they had purpose for their lives. Like they wanted to go out and work for their master to, to share in this joy that they were going to share in, this inheritance from their master. And they worked joyfully and purposefully. And that third servant, he didn't have purpose. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know where to go. He didn't know which direction to go. So he just buried it in the sand and he was scared because he didn't have a purpose. And I think sometimes we can, we can either distort our purpose or we, can, or we can just be purposeless and we can look at life and we can look at faith as an obligation or as a duty and not as an opportunity. Like there's a real opportunity to step out and step into the fight of our faith. And the apostle Paul says as much in, in Ephesians chapter five. And he says this, he says, this is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. We don't have purpose. If we don't, if we don't, if we don't step into life like as an opportunity, then we don't know what to do. There's no vision. There's no, there's no clear path ahead. We can just go through the motions. We can, we can just be asleep. If we don't have any purpose, that work becomes busy work, and then that just leads and goes to apathy really quick. And so thankfully, Jesus, he, he gives us a crystal clear view of our purpose. It's crystal clear. So Jesus, this, the, the parable that we, we read, it was one of the last parables that Jesus told before he went into Jerusalem, went on a cross, and then rose in three days. And so after Jesus was risen from the tomb, he, he was around and, and it was the resurrected Jesus was, was here on earth with his, with his disciples. He was teaching, he was training, he was equipping, and he was commissioning them out. And so the last words of Jesus, I think, just paint a crystal clear view of our purpose. And this is, some of you might know this as the Great Commission. This is the last words in the Gospel of Matthew. And this is Matthew 28, 17 through 20. The disciples were on a mountaintop with Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, right before he ascends into heaven. And this is what happens. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. You see that? These were the guys that were with Jesus for his entire ministry, that were looking face to face with the resurrected Jesus, said they worshiped him and they doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. 
of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. See what happened to the disciples? They brought God. They brought Jesus himself everything. They weren't scared. They brought him their worship and their doubts, their questions, their doubts, their worship, and their faith. Questions and doubts are not the enemy of faith. Questions and doubts, they're companions of worship on our journey. Like questions and doubts, when we bring those to God, first of all, they honor the Lord. Like those honor God and they not only keep us away from faith, they awaken our faith. They deepen our faith. Questions and doubts are not meant to be buried in the sand. They're meant to be brought to God, no matter whether you're a Christian or not here, to bring them to God, to to give them to him because our purpose, it's to have a real, honest, authentic relationship with Jesus. It's It's to give him everything, even that 1% of you that that you might be hiding from him. Like he wants that because a real relationship is to be known and to know. The purpose, like these disciples, they, they were yearning. They were honoring God with bringing him everything with a real relationship with him. And so, so that is, is, is our purpose. And then Jesus would say, after that, your purpose It's to go and make disciples. It's to go and to make disciples. It's not to sit and sit still. It's not to be relegated to the sidelines because of some of the sins that you've committed in your past. It's to go and it's to make. It's to get in the game. It's to get in the fight. How boring is the Christian life if you're just sitting on the sidelines? Like how mundane how, how boring. If we're not getting in the fight, we were created with a purpose to get in the fight of our faith. Like we were created with a purpose for relationship with Jesus and to go and make disciples. And I've, uh, I've been through just a lot of seasons in my life of of not having any purpose or or maybe having a distorted view of purpose. I've lived a lot of my life scared. (laughs) Like I've had had seasons where I thought I had ruined my chance with God. I thought that there was no way that God could, could use me because of the sins of my past. I was scared. I, I was scared of being that hypocritical Christian that I hated. I thought that I wasn't equipped enough. I knew. <laughs> I knew I wasn't prepared enough. Like, I just, I thought that I was just made for the sidelines. And that's none of us. Like, I thought, okay, it's just somebody else's job. And I was just sleepwalking through my life and through my faith, just relegated to the sidelines. And that's not what we were created for. It's not what you were created for. It's not what I was created for. And, and I'm here today, today, 
because God stirred something up in me. Like God woke me up through my friends, through people that were in my life that were closest to me. Because on the outside looking in during those seasons of life, like I looked all right. I looked like a good guy. Looked like I had some faith. Looked like I was following Jesus pretty well, but, but I was asleep inside and only my, like my close, deep, intimate circle, they could see right through it. And I remember it, this was a conversation I had eight years ago with one of my best friends from high school. And you know when, you're, when your best friends, when they look at you, and you know like, you know, you know they know. And so he had been circling me for a while and I had just been like, I'd just been going through the motions of my faith. Like I hadn't been living it out. I had buried it in the sand. Still had it, still claimed it, but I wasn't living it. And I remember we were going on a, on a road trip with my friends and somehow me and him were the only two people in this car. <laughs> it was a group of us and that wasn't coincidence. Like he strategically got us in the car by ourselves. And the first five minutes of that trip, he looks at me only the way that a, a true friend can. And he says, Kale, what are you doing? He says, Kale, like, what's your purpose? God has so much more for you. You need to wake up. Like, you need to see it. And my first, my initial reaction was to be defensive. But at that point, like, I had such a distorted view of purpose. I didn't not have a purpose. My purpose was myself. I was my own God. Everything in my life centered around me. And I didn't want anyone or anything to get in that way. Like any, anyone who, who would speak to that, like I would just shut them down. I wasn't living out my faith. I was just sleepwalking. And and that conversation with that friend, it stirred something up in me. Like it woke something up in my heart. God himself woke something up in me that I could no longer ever be that scared, selfish, sleepwalking Christian that I used to be. Like I was created for more than that. My purpose is more than that, and so is yours. Every single one of you here at the Museum District, online, and at Timber Grove. Like, your purpose is for a relationship with Jesus and to go and make disciples. That's our purpose. And I don't know where you're at in your faith today. Like, I don't know if you're in a good season of faith and you have to fight against being spiritually asleep, or if you're the one who needs to get in the car and you need to stir something and someone up and, and let God use you to awaken something in someone, or I don't know if, if maybe you've been spiritually asleep for a while and you need God to stir something up in you to awaken something in you, or, or I don't know if you have You've buried your questions and your doubts in the ground for far too long. And you just need to bring those to God. God honors that. To bring it to God, to maybe, to maybe awaken something that you, that you haven't experienced yet. Like God honors that. 
And our purpose, it's to get out and fight. It's to get in the game. And that's my prayer for us. No matter what season of life you're in, like my prayer for us is that we, that we awaken to the reality of our purpose. That we step into what God has for us. Every single one of us. It's, it's not someone else's job, it's, it's yours. And so hope we can step out of our slumber. We can step into and live out our faith, the only faith that's worth living and dying for. Jesus Christ, life, death, resurrection, to give us life. There's beauty and there's power in that and there's purpose. So my hope is that we live with that purpose starting today. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for this purpose that you have instilled in us, God. Help us inspire people to follow you. Help us to bring everything that we have to you, to surrender what we have to you. Bring our worship, our questions, our doubts, not to bury it in the sand, but to, but to bring them to you. Help us to live out our purpose, to be known by you so we can fully know this, this unfathomable love that you have for us. It's like a heavenly father's love. God, we thank you for your sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross for the payment for our sin. God, give us life today. God, renew us and refresh us, stir something in us so we can walk in the way that leads to life with this purpose and this goal that you've set out for us. And we say all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.